everybody. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I hope you guys are having a wonderful day. Welcome, welcome, welcome to DrBoysTV.com, the home for intelligent black people. Uh, today on DrBoysTV.com, we're going to talk about banks. Uh, banks appear to be safe, but are they really safe? Uh, today, the stock market just had took a major, major nosedive. And a lot of people believe that it should have died because regional banks in particular are on shaky ground. So I'm going to break all this down for you. So get comfortable, buckle up your seatbelt. We're going to get started on the Black Financial Channel right now. Welcome to the Black Financial Channel. This is the theblackfinancialchannel.com. My name is Dr. Boyce Watkins. I'm your friendly neighborhood finance professor. On the Black Financial Channel, we talk about black wealth and black economics every single day. We do it sometimes 10 times a day because we believe in our people. Uh, the B1 condition means that we are black first. We put our community at the top of our priority list. We don't hate anybody. You don't have to be black to be here, but you got to love black people if you want to be up in this space. So if you agree with that philosophy, put a B1 in the chat. Uh, also, uh, let me know if you can hear me. Give me a yes if you can hear me, especially those of you that are watching on Instagram. I want to make sure that my audio is coming through all right. I'm using uh, some some a, a different kind of speaker setup. You know, everybody's got these fancy podcasts. Uh, they, ain't got, they ain't got a whole lot of substance, but they got all the flash. So I like to believe that we have substance up in here. I believe that we, we teach you things and talk to you about things that are going to change your life. But you know what? I somebody I had somebody tell me, Doc, you got to be flashy. You got to be a flashy Negro because flash matters more than substance. Well, I don't believe that. I believe substance matters, and I want to talk to people where substance matters. However, you know, I don't want you to have to look at like a terrible podcast. So, uh, so I so I, I've made minimal investments, but I just want to make sure that I'm coming through all right. So you guys can hear me. Good. Thank you so much. Uh, you can see me. All right. Great. All right. So uh, hit the thumbs up button. Thumbs up, thumbs up, thumbs up, share, subscribe. Uh, let's get it cracking. All right. So basically the thing that I wanted to talk to you guys about now is to kind of give you an update on generally what's going on with the economy. Talk about the state of banks. The stock market took a little bit of a nosedive today. Uh, if you look at the Dow, uh, let me double check. Let me see where it's at right now. Um, you know, basically the Dow uh, dropped uh, by about what is one percent today, and the reason that it dropped one percent is because people are worried about banks, uh, and not all banks. See, this is the part that that becomes this is the part that fits into any conspiracy theory you may have. Um, not all banks are are at risk. It's just the regional banks. It's the small banks. It's the tiny banks that, you know, gave your grandma the mortgage at the credit union to help her get her first house, you know, stuff like that. And uh, and so so what's going on right now is that there is just this constant conversation about whether or not these regional banks can actually survive. And uh, and it's such an unfair game because banking is based a lot on confidence. You know, it's really you know, you know, you ever hear people. Uh, have, give me a yes if you've ever heard people talk about how uh, Bitcoin is it, part of your imagination. Bitcoin is not real. Have you ever heard people say that, that Bitcoin isn't real and crypto isn't real and all those other stuff? Anybody, you know, you hear that, right? And, and it's true. I'm like, well, yeah, yeah, I guess it kind of isn't real. It's just a, I mean, can you touch a Bitcoin? Not really. Um, but really, money isn't real. A, a lot of, you know, your money isn't real. The, the dollars in your bank account are backed by people believing in the government, having confidence that your government is going to just come through. And, and I'm going to tell you, if you look at the big dummies we have running our government in Capitol Hill, these paid off corrupt buffoons that we have running this country, Democrat and Republican, how much confidence can you really have in that? Not much, not much. But here's what's going on with banks. The banking is also a confidence game. 
when people believe in your bank, they put deposits in your bank. And then you have money that makes your bank more valuable, more real. And you can then take those uh, those funds and invest those funds and make money from that money. That That's what it is. You're borrow- it's like borrowing somebody's car so you can use their car to go and deliver pizzas and make money all day with their car. And when they, when they believe that you're a bad driver, if they believe that you're going to wreck their car, then they don't let you use their car anymore.
I can get back in. I, I feel really bad. I hate the fact that I disappeared on y'all. I, I apologize. Yeah. So um, anyway, uh, I hope you guys can you can y'all see me now? Am I back? Uh, I, I'm so sorry, guys. I don't know. I can't. I, the Internet gods. I don't know how they operate. All right. So let's just keep going. Let's just keep on trying. I'm, I'm kind of disheveled now. I'm a little bit upset about that. All right. So let me just read some stuff to you in terms of talking to you about what's been going on uh, here. There's a bank called Western Alliance. And uh, according to Bloomberg, uh, they said Western Alliance Bank is now denying a report that it's exploring strategic options, including a possible sale of all or part of its business. Quote, this story is absolutely false. There's no truth to this, says Stephanie Whitlow, Western Alliance's chief marketing officer. The Financial Times reported Thursday morning that the Phoenix-based company has hired advisors to explore its options, citing two people familiar with the matter, adding that the bank's deliberations were at an early stage and might not come to anything. Shares of the bank, which lost 50% this year through Wednesday, continued to slide Thursday. The stock was down as much as 62% after the Financial Times reported uh, report before paring down the decline after Western Alliance denied the talks. Uh, so, so what the banks are trying to do is they're trying to basically step out and say, "Look, no, 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 we're not, we're not failing. We're not. It's not. It's 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 okay." Now, here's the thing: they don't really believe that. They don't really believe that everything's okay. Uh, whether or not everything's okay depends on whether you believe that that everything's okay. If you if you believe everything's okay, then it's going to be okay. But if you don't believe it's going to be okay, then it won't be okay. Now, why does that statement sound confusing? Well, because it was deliberately confusing, because this is how weird this stupid game is. Western Alliance, by just the idea that they may be acquired, by the idea that they may have weakness, it draws a lot of um, negative energy, right? First of all, your depositors say, oh, my God, holy crap, I got to get out of that bank. Second of all, the short sellers, there are short sellers in the stock market that make a ton of money. Companies like Hindenburg Research make their money by destroying people. Right now, Hindenburg is attacking a billionaire named Carl Icahn. He's lost about, I want to say he lost $10 billion in, in a day uh, because they they wrote a report basically spreading rumors, almost like in high school, you know, when a girl gets jealous because another girl likes her boyfriend and she starts telling everybody, you know, you know, she's a hoe, right? You know, she's a hoe, right? It may not even be true, but just the rumor is something that causes people to see that person differently. So uh, a lot of uh, finance is driven by reputational effects, is driven by who people think the cool kids are. Um, do I think Powell, Powell lied? I don't think Powell lied per se. I think Powell, um, the Fed, the Powell is the, uh, Jer Jerome Powell is the chairman of the Federal Reserve. I think that he has a difficult job that he's not, unfortunately, not going to be remembered for doing very well. Um, the Fed just comes off to a lot of experts as being a day late and a dollar short. They just come off as this this group of so-called experts that just never seem to understand what's going on. Can't read the writing on the wall. Uh, everyone warned them about inflation. They ignored it. They kept he kept saying it was transitory, 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 meaning basically temporary, temporary, temporary. And then suddenly he starts saying, oh, well, sorry, I, I just realized it wasn't temporary. And everybody was like, yeah, we told you it wasn't temporary. We told you that these are serious problems. So, um, you know, I, I think that Powell is trying to keep people calm. Um, I, I don't think they want a full-fledged panic in banking. I think that the panic has occurred, but it's mostly affecting regional banks. Now, the way the Fed is trying to, to balance against that is they are pretty much doing this crazy thing of insuring all the deposits now of any amount, which I just think creates a huge problem. It creates what they call a moral hazard problem. If, if, if you if there's no risk 
in your decision making, then you're, you're going to do whatever you want to do. That's uh, why, for example, when they decide to certain banks are too big to fail, they, they're creating a moral hazard problem. Because if you know you're too big to fail, if you know you can't be canceled or, or you can't go out of business, then you're not going to be a careful businessman. The people on Wall Street, they love to roll the dice. They love to go hard. So it becomes a game where it's basically heads I win, tails you lose. So um, so so that's so that's one of the top stories. Uh, in terms of other stories, uh, jobless claims rose the most that they've risen in six weeks. Uh, continuing claims fall. So so jobless claims are going up. Uh, so the economy, you know, is showing a little bit of weakness there, but it's actually quite a strong economy. Uh, now, there is uh, an issue with Apple. It looks like Apple, uh, I'm reading here, they said after blowout results from Microsoft, Meta uh, spurred huge rallies in their stocks, there are concerns the bar has been set too high for Apple. Not only does the iPhone maker trade at an elevated valuation to peers after a market-leading 27% rally year-to-date, but it also comes with a weaker growth outlook. Second quarter results due after Thursday's close are expected to show a 4.8% drop in revenue and a 5.8% slide in earnings. Okay, So Apple is expected to be the one tech stock that doesn't do what all the other tech stocks did. The other tech companies did really well in their earnings reports. Even Amazon and all these other companies did pretty well. So, so it'd be curious to see what happens with Apple. Uh, if Apple's numbers are not strong, then that could be an issue. Now, uh, in terms of, of what's really going on with these banks, um, I'm going to say that I, I think you're going to see some more failures in regional banks. You're not going to see a failure of Goldman Sachs. You're not going to see a fail, failure of, 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 you know, Bank of America. But you will see some of these regional banks fall apart. Um, and in fact, uh, PacWest, there's a company called PacWest. It makes you think about East Coast, West Coast, Tupac, right? PacWest uh, is leading, uh, leading the way in terms of uh, stock declines of 50, it went down 50%. The Dow itself, the overall stock market's down by, uh, I want to say, 300 points today. And a lot of this is being driven by regional banks. So it says here on CNBC that PacWest, I think that's how you pronounce it. Maybe it's PacWest. I don't know. Uh, they sank 54% and, they, and the trading was halted for volatility. When a stock gets too jumpy, they just stop trading it. It's like, it's like it's a, in fact, it's a good tip for your marriage. If you ever get married or if you're in a relationship with somebody and the argument gets too crazy, you need to take a break. You got They call that a circuit breaker because that gives you a chance to kind of calm yourself down and figure out what's really going on and think things through before you cuss out your wife or in, in, or lose your boyfriend for the rest of your life. Right. So so if you ever get that's a little marriage tip. If you ever get into a heavy, heavy fight, just take a break, go to your separate corners and come back a couple hours later. That's exactly what the stock market does, too, because they know that just like you get emotional in your fighting and you start saying things that you don't that you're going to regret. The same thing happens with investing. People get emotional in investing. They get scared. And, and when fear creeps in, they start doing things they're going to regret later. They, they want to just sell, sell, sell and run away because they are afraid. So they have the circuit breakers in place to say, let's stop this. Stop, 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 stop. Just sit back. You can't trade for a little while. I need you to go process the information and think about this before you make this move. All right. So uh, and it keeps markets a little more stable than before. So uh, let's see here. So Pac West, uh, there, there are rumors that they're exploring a sale. So I, I kind of feel like what's happening is that, you know, J.P. Morgan and, and Bank of America and Citigroup are all just sitting there like licking their fingers at like a, at the family barbecue, you know, picking up these regional banks. That's what I that's what I'm seeing here. And uh, they said, so PacWest is also denying 
uh, you know, making a denial that they're that they're searching for a buyer, which is probably a bunch of BS. They said the bank will continue to evaluate all options to maximize shareholder value. That's their way of saying, yeah, we probably are looking for somebody to buy us, but we don't really want to say it because it's only going to reduce our valuation. And here's the thing. When these companies appear to be weak, when these banks appear to be uh, in trouble and the stock price drops, well, then it becomes that much easier for, you know, JP Morgan to come and buy them and acquire them. Right. So because the price that they pay for your company is highly dependent on the market valuation. So if your market valuation happens to be extremely low that month, then someone can come in and literally buy your company up based on the valuation that month and then immediately return it back to its normal valuation. Right? And so um, so they said, uh, meanwhile, Tennessee based First Horizon also fell 36 percent after the regional lender and TD Bank announced they were terminating their merger agreement. The bank said in, uh, said in a release that the, the move was due to uncertainty around when TD would receive regulatory approval for the deal. Blah, 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 blah. Let's keep going. Other notable declines included a drop of more than 38% for Western Alliance and 13% for Zions Bank Corp. The Spider S&P Regional Banking ETF was down 6.2%. So the, the, the regional banking uh, ETF, meaning that it's one stock you can buy where you own a percentage of a bunch of regional banks, is down by 6%. Uh, Western Alliance's slide came despite an update from the company on Wednesday evening showing that deposits have grown since the end of March. Uh, that hasn't taken the heat off the stock or the bond prices. Investors are very nervous. See, there's that emotion again. That They're very nervous. Fear. Remember I told you fear is an enemy of wealth. That's why black people, you got to learn how to trust each other. You got to learn how to create stable families and codes of conduct so you can trust each other and not financially traumatize each other because fear is a wealth killer. Fear is a dream killer. Fear, fear will kill everything that you're ever trying to build. Fear, fear, fear kills love. Fear, fear kills family. If you're scared of the person that you're dating, you're not going to reproduce with them and, you know, build a strong family. You're just going to run away from each other. Right. You're going to be track stars. Right. So there's that fear. So they said investors are very nervous. And I think there's so so a lot of just so you know, just to finish that thought, a lot of the experts that, you know, sort of control the economy and 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 make big announcements, they spend a lot of their time just helping people calm down and relax. They, they, they really spend a lot of time literally almost like being financial therapists. That, that's why I think it's so brilliant that in the black business school, we created the first ever black financial therapy department because I said, let's get some therapists so we can deal with financial anxiety. We can deal with financial trauma. We can deal with all these things, but deal with it, use the tools of therapy and apply them to finance, right? And apply them specifically to black people, black wealth, right? Because black people have a unique experience. Um, I don't think our experience is like anybody else's. And I think it's very important that we uniquely sort of look at that. And so I want you to really, the way I want you to process it is I want you to think about all the times in your life, in the lives of others, where you see money and emotion connecting with each other. Uh, when you saw that lady, anybody remember Ebony K. Williams, the lady last week who said she wouldn't date a bus driver unless he owned the bus? Uh, when, when I saw that and then I saw her, she she did a video response. I, I'm going to, out of fairness to her, I'm going to show her video response because I thought she, you know, made her point and it was interesting to hear what she had to say. Um, but, you know, when she talked about like, like, yeah, I, I want a rich guy. And then I saw her ex-fiance, who was a white guy who had lots of money. I saw like this fear. I saw this financial trauma. I saw her saying, I went through, I already know what it's like to be broke. I went through that as a kid. I don't want to go through it again. Her mama actually was a bus driver. So, so think about this. Your mama was a bus driver, but you wouldn't date one. Right? Isn't that crazy that literally, I literally, the trauma was so deep that I literally am running away 
from where I come from. I'm running away from what my parents were. My mama wouldn't be good enough to date me. It was not that she would date her mama, but she gets the but then again, everybody's had seem like half half the population's gay now. I, I have no idea. I can't, I, I ain't got no, no comment. But seriously though, like so 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 the, the, the so so isn't it interesting though? Your mother was a bus driver, but you would never date a bus driver. That means that you spent a lot of time dating a bus driver as a kid, because uh, if you really want to go deep with it, your parent is kind of your first partner, your first spouse. So she was raised by her mother. Her mother was the mama and the daddy. I don't know what happened with the father. Uh, so her mother being the mommy and the daddy was like kind of like her first partner in life. Right. Her first partner was a bus driver. And it must have been terrible because now. You literally are like, no, I would never date a bus driver, right? So, so that's financial trauma. That's what that looks like. That's money and emotion. That's a fear. Like, like I'm, I don't care. I'm not going broke. NBA Youngboy, the rapper NBA Youngboy. I don't know if y'all have heard of him, but what does NBA Youngboy stand for? Anybody know? NBA stands for Never Broke Again. Never Broke Again. That's because, uh, you know, he he was in the prison of poverty, and he said, I'm not going back. I'm not going back to jail, right? So, so that trauma, that fear. Uh, that emotion plays it plays huge roles in, in terms of money. Uh, and so I think it's very important for you to explore that so you can understand how to do well by for yourself, but then also how to do well for the people that matter to you. All right. So anyway, do me a favor. Hit the thumbs up button. Uh, thumbs up, thumbs up. Uh, share, subscribe if you have not done this yet. Also, I'll be in Dallas May 19th. So if you'd like to join us in Dallas, uh, we're going to do a Black Wealth Training Camp two days. We're going to cover uh, in detail uh, my book, uh, The Ten Commandments of Black Economic Power. Also, you get a chance to network with other wealth builders. So if you'd like to fly into Dallas, it's a great city. So come down and hang out with us. Uh, also, we've got a movie coming out called Be One the Movie, directed by Rick Mathis. We're going to release that later in the summer. We are creating our own movie and film divisions, actually. Uh, we're partnering with uh, John Boyd. I brought John Boyd in from the Peace Industry Music Group. We're developing artists. He's doing the work. I'm, I'm supporting what John is doing. Uh, and also, I'm partnering with Rick you know, on filmmaking. So so literally, we're, we're not just talking. We're actually getting things done. We're de developing a Black-owned media company. Uh, and, and we're built on substance, not, not so much the flashy stuff. So I won't be wearing a Medea dress. We're going to have to do this the hard way, which means being black and intelligent and building something that, that actually matters, uh, you know, in, in, in order for us to actually grow and get strong. All right. So in no disrespect to Tyler, I respect what you did, but I'm not going to put on no dress. All right. So anyway, let's keep going. All right. So um, that hasn't taken the heat off the stock or bond prices. Investors are very nervous. I think they're, they're nervous about the fact that Silicon Valley lost Silicon Valley Bank lost 75 percent of their deposits in 36 hours. That's not a bank in the world that could really sustain. There's not a bank in the world that could sustain that. Thursday's move comes less than a week after First Republic was seized by regulators and sold at a discount to J.P. Morgan Chase. So isn't this interesting? This is almost like the corporatized version of eminent domain in a way. Uh, eminent, you know, almost where it's like the government. Think about this. The government seizes your assets and then sells them to another company at a discount price. Ain't that a bitch? I mean, isn't that interesting? I mean, that's a, how would you feel if you had trouble paying the, the mortgage um, for no, no fault of your own? And then somebody came and seized your property for, well, wait a minute. Oh, I forgot. They already do that. <laughs> they already do that. Right. So they come in and they seize your property, you know, that you have your $400,000 house. And then they turn around and sell it to your competitor for 200,000. 
that's that's the the kind of sneaky wealth transfer that occurs in these so-called private uh, public partnerships. That's the dangers of allowing too much of your capitalism to infiltrate your government because capitalism is powerful and it's not always terrible, but it can be a sneaky little dirty little beast. And and what capitalism has done is is gotten into the government where the government will say, "Oh, we're doing this public private partnership." And next thing you know, there's some company that's come in and pretty much robbed the bank. And this is not new. This has been going on. This is going to lead to the downfall of America, by the way. This is connected to all the wealth inequality that you see, all that. A lot of the reason the government doesn't have the resources to pay all of its expenses is because rich people and 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 and, and capitalists got into the government and changed the tax code so that rich people don't really pay taxes the way poor people do. So effectively, this hasn't this isn't new. This was going on back in the days of J.P. Morgan, uh, Andrew Carnegie, uh, Henry Ford. Henry Ford made a ton of money uh, during World War Two. Right. So so now uh, in, in, and then in the pandemic, you saw this, you saw uh, pharmaceutical companies coming in to say, we'll help you create this shot. That will uh, that will cure everybody, or that will you know give them, that will protect them allegedly, right? And uh, and we're but we're gonna make a hundred billion dollars in the process, and we need the support of the government to require everyone to buy from us, right? You're literally being legally required. So so you're you're blending uh, the the motivation of capitalism with the power of the state. This is very powerful. This is big. This is actually linked. I remember when Breonna Taylor got killed, there was a whole conversation about whether or not there was a deliberate effort to reduce the property values of certain areas so that they can be more easily gentrified, so that they could be, you know, sort of scooped up by the government and then resold to their private partners. Right. So so in this particular case, I I, I don't like this. I, I feel like um you know, I feel like they, if they wanted to save these banks, they they could. But instead, they said, let's seize the bank and then sell it to J.P. Morgan. Um, that's a big win for J.P. Morgan. So where where do you fit into all this? Well, what, what I would say to you is I don't know how you can change all this. I, I can't. I told you the ca- people in Capitol Hill are stupid. They don't listen to people like me because smart people scare them. And uh, and and I, I would buy stock. And you know what? I, I own stock in J.P. Morgan. I was like, well, you can't beat them. Might as well join them. So I do own shares in companies like J.P. Morgan. Uh, so, um, and I'm not ashamed to say that. I think everyone, I think every black person should own stock. I really believe that. All right, so let's keep going. Hit the thumbs up button. Thumbs up, thumbs up, share, uh, subscribe if you haven't done it yet. And also, uh, I'm going to put a link up here if you want to go take a look. We have uh, different kinds of things you can take a look at in the Black Business School. I think you're going to like. Um, I have a collection of books at drboycebooks.com. If you want to take a look, I've, I've written Black American Money. There's a part one, two, three. Uh, also, Financial Lovemaking. I wrote that years ago. And then also my new book is The Ten Commandments of Black Economic Power. So if you'd like to take a look at any of those books, feel free to go to drboycebooks.com. I'll leave it on the screen. All right. So uh, J.P. Morgan uh, CEO Jamie Dimon and Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell expressed optimism this week that the initial wave of bank failures has passed. But the drops of, of stocks show that investors still lack confidence. There's that word again, you know, confidence, emotion, fear. Uh, what's the other word? Nervousness, like all these emotional terms that you would hear in a therapist's office pop up in financial conversations. Uh, Mishad said that federal officials might need to change rules around deposit insurance, at least temporarily to restore confidence. Oh, there's that word again in the banking system. 
This turmoil is still rolling, and I think it won't stop until we build some stability into the system. So here we keep hearing this constant conversation, stability, confidence, nervousness, fear, all these things related to because because at the end of the day, a bank can only survive if people believe in the bank. Now, I'm going to flip that conversation into black wealth. I've been speaking on this narrative for a while. I need to really reinforce it so you'll understand this, because this relates to why black wealth continues to decline. Black wealth declines partly because uh, you don't have a lot of uh, enough black owned businesses. Right. We know this. We talked about this before. Black people own more land 100 years ago than we own today. We had more businesses before integration than we have now. Right. We even own schools. We had our own race, race car league. We had our own version of the NBA, our own, own version of the NFL, our own version of Major League Baseball. We owned all that. Right. We let all that go uh, through, through integration. Uh, and so what integration did, unfortunately, was it led us to pour uh, all of our energy into uh, other institutions, other pre-existing institutions that were created uh, by other people. Right. So so we're, we're pouring it. Why? Well, why do we pour into those institutions? Well, it's a confidence thing. Right. If you have confidence uh, in your boss and the company that you work for, but you have a husband that created some little business. And you even feel like you're like, how are how, how you doing with your little business? Right. He's got this little business and you don't believe in that business. You you just like, well, what are you talking about? Like you're a scrub. You don't have any capital. You, you barely know what you're doing. You don't have any customers yet. So so what happens? Well, your, your, your confidence is lower. Right. So you wonder a lot of people wonder, like, why does a woman treat her boss better than she might treat her own husband? Right? Uh, and, it, and it's not just women. It's, it's really people in general, black people. I think that's what we kind of do to each other. Well, it's a confidence thing. It's no different from the banking crisis. Right. So so pay attention. Now, this analogy works. So so you uh, pour your energy into the things that you think are working. Right. It's, it's for the same reason. Deion Sanders went to Colorado because he has more confidence in their ability to pay, their ability to get him on TV, their ability to help him reach their goal, his goals than he had in Jackson State. Right. Uh, and what, what, what's another example? Um, there's another athlete that got traded. What was it? Oh, I know what it was. There was a college basketball player that played for the University of Louisville. I forgot her name. Haley something. She she was uh, mentored by Kobe Bryant. And she saw the women of LSU kick ass in the NCAA tournament. So Haley, rather than trying to help Louisville win a championship, she went to LSU. Why, why did she invest in LSU when she could have invested in Louisville? Well, because she had confidence. She saw LSU dominate the NCAA finals. So she said, I'm going to invest. I'm going to take my talent to LSU so that we can keep winning championships. I don't care about Louisville anymore, right? So what does that do to LSU and what does that do to Louisville? And how does that relate to the concept? Anybody heard of the concept of, of, of psychology? You remember, this is all therapy and psychology now. How many of you have heard of the concept self-fulfilling prophecy? Give me a guess if you've heard of the term self-fulfilling prophecy and you feel comfortable, you know what that means. Uh, a self-fulfilling prophecy basically means that the things you believe in are the things that become more real. Self-fulfilling prophecy means that, you know, the things you try, the things you work hard at are the things that are going to actually manifest. The places you put your energy are the places that are going to be more likely to be successful. So so when Haley Van Lith, I think that's her name, that played for the, the Louisville Cardinals, uh, when she decided to go invest in, in LSU, what happened was that her belief, that being at LSU was going to increase their chances of winning the championship is going to increase the chances of LSU winning the championship. Simultaneously, her belief that her lack of confidence 
I'm going to use that term because we saw this term used consistently in the banking conversation. Her lack of confidence in Louisville is going to reduce the probability that Louisville will win a championship. Well, why? But because they lost their biggest depositor. They lost their best asset. Their star player is now going to go and play for the other team. Right. So so same thing. Uh, so, so same thing is true with Deion Sanders going to Colorado. Now Colorado has a greater shot at winning games. Jackson State has a lesser shot at winning games. Why? Well, because Deion Sanders said, I'm going to go to Colorado. I'm taking my swag with me. I'm taking my connections with me. I'm taking my resources with me. I'm taking some of my best players with me. I recruited some of the best players in the country. We're all leaving. Right. So so what so what so what then happens there is I need you to understand what you link that back to black owned businesses. So when you talk about Black-owned businesses, I want you to take a moment and try to reflect on how many super smart, super talented, super capable Black people don't invest in anything in the Black community, don't don't put any energy into Black-owned businesses due to a lack of confidence, right? I don't have confidence that this is going to help me pay bills. I don't have confidence this is going to succeed. And then they go and invest in the things that they believe in. Right. Just like the the depositors at First Republic Bank, the depositors at First Republic Bank killed the bank because they lost confidence in the bank. So it became a self-fulfilling prophecy. It was their belief that the bank won't survive that caused the bank to not survive. Silicon Valley Bank died because people believed it was going to die. When you believe that something's going to die and then you behave accordingly, you say, why would I invest my energy in something that I think is not going to succeed? So because you do that, so it's a it's a feedback loop, right? Your confidence breeds the outcome and the outcome breeds your confidence. Your, your projection of the outcome is what affects your confidence, with it, which then affects the actual outcome. So then when you say, hey, my prediction matched the reality, my prediction, uh, you know, I predicted it was going to fail and look, they failed. Well, that's because your prediction and the failure are all connected. Your prediction, your emotional reaction to the prediction increased the likelihood that the prediction was going to come true. Give me a yes if you understand what I'm saying. So if Haley Van Lift, uh, the basketball player I told you about, she leaves Louisville because she says, you know, I don't think Louisville's going to be very good next year. Well, then the next year, Louisville sucks. So she says, see, I told you. Right. But she doesn't understand that she's also a variable in this cosmic equation that she's that she's analyzing. Right. She's a variable in this. Right. You're you're watching. You think you're watching a movie, but you're actually the star of the goddamn film. Like you, you think you're just watching the movie and you're passively observing the outcome, but you are a participant in the movie. So what I'm saying to you, black people, is that when you sit back and, and somebody says, well, black wealth is going down, black businesses are failing left and right. And, and, and you say, yeah, that's why I don't uh, invest in black business. That's why I don't want to start a black business. Well, you got to understand that you're also a part of that equation. You're you, us, all of us in terms of what we choose to do with our time plays a big role in the manifestation of the outcomes that we're seeing in front of us. Black businesses fail because we don't believe in them. Right? If, if we believe in them, then we would invest our time. Imagine, just think about it. Imagine if, imagine if you had 20 million, not even 20, let's say you just had another million of our smartest, most capable black people all putting 40 hours a week working on something related to the black community, some sort of business in the black community, working for a black owned business or running a black owned business. That would literally instantaneously increase black wealth by a couple trillion dollars. Just that decision to divert all that energy that we put into the white man's stuff and putting it into our stuff would increase the value overnight. Right. But, but it's, it's risky. It's tough though, right? It's, it's tough to kind of commit to 
uh, to what you perceive to be the losing team, right? Like just like it was Silicon Valley Bank. Nobody wants to be the only guy who decides to leave his money in Silicon Valley Bank and everybody else runs. So, so part of what you do, and one of my dissertation committee members, David Hirschleifer, wrote about this. It's called the herding effect. A big chunk of what we do is affected by what we're seeing other people do because nobody wants to go out and die on that hill by themselves. So I get it. But here's the thing. This is one of the reasons why I try. I really cultivate the kinds of people that I end up speaking to. I'm not trying to speak to the heathens. I want to speak to the choir. I'm preaching to the choir because here's the deal. Here's the deal. If you have confidence, if you are deeply committed to something, like if you know, if you're committed, it's like if you're in the military and you're committed to your uh, your your side and your country all the way to the end, to the last bullet is out of your gun, then what happens is you say, yeah, I know I might be the, I might die on that hill by myself, but I'm okay with that because I, because this is bigger than just me trying to play for the winning team all the time, right? Like if you go back and I'm not asking anybody to think this way, right? Because only certain people can do this and you can't be this way with everything, right? You have to pick and, pick and choose your battles. But like that basketball player, Haley Van Lith, if Haley Van Lith that plays for Louisville, just love Louisville. Let's say she had a deeply rooted connection. Said my daddy played for Louisville. I grew up in the city. I just love this city. Then she would say, you know what? I don't care if I lose, if I'd never win a championship. I'm here. This is where I'm going to be. Even if we go 0-30, I'm still going to be here. Kind of like LeBron was with Cleveland. LeBron, remember LeBron James, it's interesting. He did a little bit of both. He went to Miami. Anybody remember when LeBron went to Miami? Everybody in Cleveland got mad at him, and the owner wrote that nasty letter, talked about, talked about him like he was a runaway slave. Anybody remember that? So LeBron goes to uh, Miami to win a championship, which increases the chances that Miami's going to win the championship. And, and, and then, But then he's, he, he does something he didn't have to do. He came back to Cleveland where winning championships is really hard. He could have went to the Knicks where they got plenty of money. He could have went to the Lakers, which he eventually did. He could have gone to a lot of places. They could have gave him a greater probability of winning the championship. But LeBron had a connection to Cleveland that made him say, I'm going to hella high water. I'm going to do what I got to do to single-handedly lift this team to championship status, even if it kills me. And you saw LeBron do that. You saw him do that. And, and that to me is that's what inspires the shit out of me, because I thought Deion Sanders had the, the LeBron James kind of mindset. Right. Deion, I, I, yo, just going back to Deion, and I, I know I bring him up and some people think it's because I'm mad. At him. I'm not mad at him. I'm just telling you, I'm just analyzing it. But like Deion would always talk about like, well, you know, if you that dude, then you go, then you that dude. And I'm like, well, if you are that dude, then then that dude doesn't have to go, you know, only trying to play for the winning team. Because that dude who knows he's that dude, who behaves as that dude, says whatever team I'm on, that's going to become the winning team because I'm going to always arise to the occasion no matter what, right? And so what I'm saying is that we have people in our community that do have that spirit. We have great people. I see one of them. I see Juiced Up Reese's in here. And she, that's I love, she's, she's, she's my homegirl. And, and I, just, I just love Black people who say, you know what, I'm okay with playing for what I think is the losing team, what could be the losing team right now, because I'm just committed. I'm in it head to toe, 10 toes down. I'm not going nowhere. I'm pouring every ounce of energy I have into doing whatever I can to increase the odds that my team is going to have a chance to win a championship. And that's, those are the types of people that I
like to talk to. That's why I talk so much about the importance of you being an independent thinker, you being a critical thinker, you being a leader and not a follower. Because if you're a follower, then you just do what everybody else does. You just go and say, oh, well, the white man's offering more money, so I'm going to go put my time into his thing because I'm, I'm just chasing the bag. But I need you to do something a little bit more than chase the bag. Like after you get the bag, I want you to get the bag. I want you to get the bag, get the whole bag. But I, but I want you to kind of believe and understand that you can get the bag and still, you know, and still commit yourself to something bigger than just who's paying me the most money. I, I, I just really think that that's important, right? So, so this banking thing, in terms of how we increase or decrease the likelihood of a bank succeeding by whether we have confidence in the bank, reminds me of the black community. The black community, business-wise is like the bank that failed because the depositors lost confidence in the bank and then took their money elsewhere. So when you get up every day and you have that degree in engineering or you've got that law degree or you've got that business skill and you're getting up every day and you're leaving your neighborhood, driving across town so you can go spend the whole day working at Walgreens, that's kind of what you're doing. You're taking your deposit out of the black bank and you're putting it into the bank that you think is has the likelihood of not failing, right? So, so at some point, we need the leaders. The, the I'm talking about the, the people who real the ones who really are that dude. You know, like Dion talked about being that dude. He's not that dude because if you if, honestly, if Dion were that dude, he wouldn't have to go to Colorado to shine. He wouldn't have to go to Colorado to make money. He wouldn't have to go to Colorado to be successful. He could sit right where he was at Jackson State, and the whole world would come to him. And uh, and, and uh, but LeBron basketball wise, when I saw him go to Cleveland and elevate Cleveland to championship status, which I thought was impossible. I said, oh, he's that dude. <laughs> he's that dude. Michael Jordan was that dude, right? I like to think when it comes to finance, I have to confess. In my head, I convinced myself years ago, oh, I'm that dude. <laughs> I said, my work in finance is in black wealth is going to be so damn extraordinary that People are going to come from far and wide just to come over and see what I got going on. So I've talked to tons of celebrities throughout the years, but I promise you, I put it on a stack of Bibles. I've never, I never reached out to any of them. When Ice Cube reached out to me, he texted me, hey, I'd like to talk to you. When Farrakhan reached out to me, they somebody reached out. I didn't reach out. It's no disrespect. I love these guys. These are great people. Uh, with Al Sharpton, all these people that reached out to me, Tyler Perry called me one day. My assistant's like, Tyler Perry wants to talk to you. Why? I, I never reached out to him. I don't dislike him. I, he's a very nice guy, by the way. So, so, and, and, and honestly, and this is the part I don't talk about this much because I don't want it to sound arrogant or cocky, but I kind of think a little bit of swag is necessary for us to really be what we're supposed to be. When I think about what we're doing right now, I am completely convinced. I have completely brainwashed myself to the point where I am 100% completely confident that this is the most important work I could be doing on the entire planet. Harvard University couldn't hire me for $100 million a year. I guarantee, unless, unless it was like a really, really super part-time job that I could do from my house and it did not interfere whatsoever in the work that I'm doing right now. So, so what I'm asking you is believe in yourself, right? Believe in what you're doing. Believe in your mission. Believe in your family business. Believe in it. Somebody's got to believe in it. If nobody ever believes in it, then it will never become anything great. You you will never have a chance to even, even possibly see the success you deserve because you can't build great things if you don't have commitment. You got to be 10 toes down and understand that you might die on that hill by yourself. 
No battle, no, no citizenry, no, no group of people, no country has ever achieved greatness or power or success without having people that were willing to fight to the end for that success, without having people that were willing to die on the battlefield. So are you willing? And fortunately, you're lucky. You don't actually have to physically die. You just might have to lose a little bit of money or whatever. You might have to be embarrassed a little bit if, if things don't go right. But it's not that hard for you. Commit yourself to something, man. Believe in yourself. You know, and 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 and, and, I, and I believe that those initial adopters, those first few people that jump in 10 toes down and build something great, what that will do is that will then bring along the sheep. All the people that are afraid, maybe that second wave who's kind of trying to figure out if it's going to work, who always want to play for the winning team, they're going to be the ones coming and trying to work for your children because your children will be the ones who will go in there, get their hands dirty, dig in the trenches and build something that will make other people show up. Because believe me, when I built something, when I got my stuff kind of moving and rolling and people started noticing it, I started noticing other people kind of coming along. And that was okay because not everybody is that dude. But I'm going to tell you, in my mind, don't ever ask me about it. I'm not going to talk about it again because I don't think it's appropriate to constantly talk about that. But you, there was, there's not been a single day in the last 15 years that I did not believe that this purpose was literally not the most important thing I could be doing on this planet. You can't buy me out of this chair, period. So anyway, that's it, guys. Um, I know I went way past the bank stuff, but I think it's very important to link it. It's, uh, you know, that word confidence, that word uh, belief, uh, the, the words like nervousness or or uh, or just, uh, you know, no, sort of self-fulfilling prophecy, those terms, that's extremely important in economics. So with black people, we must ask ourselves, what self-fulfilling prophecies are we contributing to? You know, where are we spending our money? Where are we giving our labor? Where are we where, where are we giving our attention? And, and by analyzing that, it'll help you understand how to win this game. So I'm looking for people that are going to be that dude or that woman, right? And some of y'all are, and, and I applaud you for that, and I love you for that, and I appreciate you 100%. I will go to battle with you any day of the week. All right, so anyway, let me get out of here, everybody. Uh, have a good day. Um, we have financial flashcards for kids. If you want to go take a look, financialflashcards.com. Also, this podcast is on Spotify. So if you go to Spotify, look up my name, you'll find my podcast, uh, The Dr. Boyce Breakdown. Uh, if you want to get text alerts, you can text the word Boyce to 31996. Text Boyce to 31996. Last but not least, I will be in Dallas on May 19th. So if you want to meet in person and, and, and chop it up in person and network with other wealth builders, uh, just go to boycewalkins.com and look for Dallas and you can join us. Tim Jackson will join me there. And I like Tim a lot. He's a smart guy and he's a, he's a good friend. So anyway, have a good day, everybody. God bless you. And uh, I will see you all very, very soon. Take care now. Peace.